Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Adam Pranica. I am your other host, Benjamin R. Harrison. How you doing, Adam? Sticking the R in there. Yeah. Getting a little bit more formal. Don't want to get confused with the other guy. Yeah. I want to I wanna be Googleable, you know? My last name is so Polishly unique that I have no need for the middle. <laughs> Uh, try living in my neighborhood, buddy. So I was on Facebook a while ago, and I don't know, like I, I'll vanity Google my name sometime to see like where it's coming up, where it's showing up in places. Mm-hmm. And I found another Adam Pranica on Facebook. Let's kick his ass. <laughs> and he's some Polish kid, like straight from Poland. Yeah. So I sent him a message, and I was like, hey, great name you got there. Be a shame if anything... <laughs> happened to it. For example, it became associated strongly with a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to get out ahead of it. Like, look, buddy, you don't know how bad it's going to get for you in about, yeah. in, in like two months. So buckle up. <laughs> uh, and I don't know how Facebook works uh, when you're going cross country with it. Right. Oh, like crossing an international boundary? No response. Yeah, and this has happened before. Like, uh, when I was in Spain, I met some new people, and we were like, yeah, let's become Facebook friends. Couldn't find them on Facebook, even though, like, at the time, I knew yeah. I knew them to exist. So I don't know if this message got through to this other Adam Pranica or what, but uh, I tried. Oh. I, I hope he got enough of a warning, because he's young enough to be, like, high school-aged, maybe. Oh, and, this could man. really this could really damage his career. I mean, he could still be in the locker, Ben. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. Uh, I think that's all I have for an open. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we talk about uh, an episode of Star Trek in that case? All right, let's do it. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. This is season three, episode 23. Sarek. Oh, oh, I need one of those. <laughs> there we go. Uh, someone was telling us uh, recently that they, uh, they thought our card opening bit was like an ASMR thing. Yeah. I thought that was I an interesting that. theory. I didn't, uh, I didn't ever think to associate it with that, but that is certainly my new favorite theory about why people like it. I just always hoped that it was our voices that was giving people the most pleasure. <laughs> yeah, not so. It's the yeah. crinkling packaging. <laughs> Bubble popped. Well, uh, this episode starts with Enterprise pulling up to a nice parallel parking space right on the doorstep of Planet Vulcan. And... uh Picard and Riker are in their Sunday best heading down to the transporter room to meet Spock's daddy. And uh, this is uh, it's going to be a diplomatic Uber mission where they're going to take Sarek to meet a 
race called the Lagarans. The Lagarans of the planet Chrysler. <laughs> I was going to say uh, planet MacGuffin, but uh, sure. I like your joke better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Sarek, uh, Spock's daddy, is a character from the original series, and he is an ambassador. And the conversation between Picard and Riker on the way down is about, like, Holy fucking shit. Like this guy, it's like meeting a founding father, you know? Like this guy yeah. is a baller, like major baller status for 200 years running. He's been at like every historical event in the history of the Federation. He was, you know, instrumental in forming the Federation. They, they like, they have a laundry list of things that they admire about him. He is capital O, capital G. <laughs> yeah. And Cash does not rule everything around him because Cream does not get the money, dollar, dollar, bill, y'all, in the United Federation of Planets. Post-Cash society, Adam. Right. It's all scarves. Which also means it's a post-Cash money society, which mm. makes me sad. Yeah, Baby is, uh, is out on the streets. <laughs> it's, really, it's really sad, like... You know, it's it's post-scarcity, except for Baby is like, well, what about my post-scarcity? I used to have a record label. Now I don't have shit. <laughs> Nothing but these scary face tattoos. <laughs> and maybe kissing little Wayne on the mouth. So uh, Picard and Riker go into the transporter room, and they're like, giddy. Like, yes. Can't wait to meet this guy. And uh, O'Brien swipes his hand over the uh, yeah. transporter console. Swipes and right. <laughs> onto the pad beams like two of his helpers. Yeah. And not the guy. This is a bit of a a disappointment. It's a very skinny Vulcan. And I is the uh, older guy, is he supposed to be a Vulcan or is he supposed to be a human who's like in Vulcan drag? Man, the entire episode I was trying to get a look at his ears. Yeah. And uh, never saw the tips. So he didn't really have a Vulcany name and he definitely... Emoted. He didn't have Vulcany shoulder pads either. Yeah, he he emoted a lot more. Yeah. And he didn't have the bangs, so... I just figured he was one of his valets. Mm-hmm. But a uh, really imperious dude, and he basically shows up to Big Dog Picard preemptively. Yeah. He's like, look, Sarek's an old man, man, and I don't know what you were planning on as far as a bunch of diplomatic events and partying and what have you. <laughs> yeah. This isn't Max FunCon, dude. Yeah. Like, uh, if you're planning a bunch of shit, he basically just wants to be left alone and he wants to go to bed early, as any 200-year-old man would. Yeah. This is more more of a greatest Gen Con type of situation. Right. Right. No, that's Curfews not true. Curfews in place. Greatest Gen Con is going to have huge parties. It's going to be great. It's going real late. Yeah, and so the they are a little bit surprised but they agree to these terms they're like yeah fine like you know like he's the boss we will do whatever he wants to do i mean we had a concert planned but it's not a big deal if he doesn't come yeah and so they throw the transporter into gear one more time and sarah sarah and his wife materialize and they're like okay like old frail man we'll we'll now show you to where you can sleep until we get to the Lagarins, and he's like, fuck that. Like, I want to check out this conference room. No one has been more excited to see a conference room than Sarek at this moment. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, like, 
When you go to a conference, do you ever look at the room before going in? I sure don't. I got to admit, Adam, sometimes I do. Oh, boy. I'm, okay. I, I'm very Sarek-like, and a lot of people have said that. <laughs> you got to believe me. No one's more Sarek than I am. I, I'm the most dispassionate, least emotional. I have normal-sized hands, pointy ears. I'm very Sarek-like. You're not going to believe how Sarek-like I'm going to be when I get into office. For a very long time, there was another man who people thought was the most Sarek. Then he died, and then I just happened to become the most Sarek-like after that. <laughs> oh, that's a dark one. It was, it was a great day for me. Terrible day for the country, but a great day for me. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, Sarek's like, show me the room, guys. He's like rubbing his hands together. Can't wait to see the conference room. Let's get in there. And it tosses to the title sequence. Which is one of the great tosses, right? Like, show me the conference room. <laughs> Slam to commercial. Oh, I can't wait to see what happens! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is called building the tension. Yeah, somebody in the writer's room was like, hey, you remember that episode where Captain Picard went on vacation and the throw to title sequence was Troy going, I think the captain needs to go on vacation. I think we can beat that for least exciting possible way to throw it to commercial. It's a real race to the bottom in the writer's room right now. It's so funny because like the season three has had some of the all-time great cold opens where you're yeah. just on the edge of your seat. And then sometimes they're like, hey, let's rest on these, these here laurels. In the first draft, Sarek was like, show me my identification name card. <laughs> Show me where I get in line to check into the hotel. <laughs> Show me where the continental breakfast is. <laughs> uh, so we come back from commercial and Jordy and Wes. The boy. The boy. Young Wesley Crusher. My son. Are hanging out in a room uh, working on a slime pit and... Uh, Wes lets slip that he's excited about a hot date he has coming up tonight. This scene is merely set up. We never see this date, but uh, (laughs) Jordy says something pretty condescending, which is like... I gotta admit, Wes, though, I'm I'm a bit surprised. What, that you'd go out with me? No, that you'd actually have the nerve to ask her. This is a a weird little scene. It quickly, uh, we quickly get distracted from this, though, because Sarek comes in with the whole, you know, all the top brass and... He's criticizing the fact that the room isn't ready. This slime pit is the the medium in which the Lagarins live. It's uh it's like super hot uh rainbow colored slime. We never have any aliens that don't really give a shit about protocol, you know? <laughs> like these aliens are super sensitive to issues of protocol and Sarek has been preparing for a long time to make sure that this diplomatic conference goes swimmingly. And he has a lot of thoughts about the way the room is set up. Uh, he notices that there's a table and glass chairs. And he's like, well, there, it, will, it simply will not do to have anybody go through that table. So you got to get it out of here. The walls are too bright. Yeah, the, and the walls are too bright. But, I got some real Ghostbusters 2 vibes from that, uh, that Kool-Aid jacuzzi they were setting up. Mm, like go down in the subway? The, the evil ooze. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's a weird scene because Sarek seems to get like 
fairly TO'd. He's spry, right? Yeah. Like, he's he's far more energetic than his valets have painted him to be. Right. And he's also, like, not merely commenting on things that are wrong with the room. Like, he's definitely making people feel bad about it, which is... Like most old people, he has an opinion, and he's sharing it very loudly. Yeah. So... Old boy uh, heads off to his room, and Picard goes and, like, sits on the bridge, and he's just kind of like, fuck, what is this valet talking about? Like, Sarek seems fine. He even seems kind of (laughs) angry. We had this whole fucking concert set up. I don't know. I don't understand what the fucking problem is. Like, like, who, who is lying to me and on what basis? And Troy's like, hey, well, you know, if maybe Sarek is putting on a good show but you know maybe his wife wants to see this concert why don't you go invite her and so picard goes and pays her a visit and invites her and she loves the idea of the concert so they show up it is the crazy principle with dark lady's face and you can't find it within yourself to stand up tell the truth you don't deserve to wear that uniform and this is like classic like this is what we do in our off time on the enterprise type shit you know yeah i love the idea that they're all on this like interstellar cruise ship essentially and they just watch like string quartets in their (laughs) in their free time thursday is magic night yeah (laughs) it's so weird the cruise ship vibes are very strong this episode for sure yeah but uh and they all just just have real classy taste in in uh diversions you know yeah, yeah. It's there are no garbage diversions on board this ship. No, we'll have none of that. No. So they they uh, have this concert, and there are these little elliptical edits, and and you know you see the the concert start, and then you kind of get to this peaking emotional point in the in the music, and there's this really intense scene where the focus on the camera racks to. Uh, Sackath, who's one of who's the younger of the two assistants that Sarek has with him, and the dude is shitting himself because Sarek is starting to break down emotionally listening to this music, and the, the camera goes extremely close on one of Sarek's eyes as a tear forms in it, and Troy starts flipping out like her spidey senses go off the charts. Uh, Picard sees the the moistness on Sirk's cheek when he turns to his wife, like his wife who then wipes the tear from him. Yeah, and then like the whole Sirk click bounces from the concert without a word to anybody. They're like, we got we got to get out of here. Like this is uh, th- this is a major lapse in our like brand statement. <laughs> about Sarek being the most Vulcan. Ben, is wiping someone else's tears just a thing that happens in movies and TV? Because I can't remember having my tears wiped from someone else or wiping someone else's. Oh, really? Your wife has never wiped a tear? No, I wipe my own tears. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm trying to say. Well, I guess that just means you're not very Sarek-like. Huh. All right. You gotta, Fine, you gotta get your tears wiped, man. You've not lived until you've had a good cry, and then your wife has wiped your tears. I guess. I, next time we see each other, I'll make you cry, and and uh, and your wife can 
step in. I mean, pending her agreement to this okay, little Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll plan that out. Got to have uh, enthusiastic consent on a tear-wiping <laughs> type of situation. Anytime fluids are involved, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we cut back to the Kool-Aid jacuzzi, and Wes and Jordy are back there doing their... Uh, you know that thing that you do at a swimming pool, like you dip the little thing and check the chlorine. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like making sure things are the right temperature and the right color and whatnot. And they start an argument about Wesley's date that gets super heated. You don't really think anything's going to happen with Suzanne Dumont, do you? At least I'm not spending the night with a good book like some people. Yeah. It like pegs the needle for heat. Compared to you, every male on this ship is an expert on women. Yeah, it's crazy. And they're like, they're literally about to start like doing ball punches. Well, at least I don't have to fight my women on the holodeck. And Riker walks in and uh, he's like, hey, hey, guys, let's be cool. And uh, <laughs> I, I sort of wondered if this was just like Riker's natural vibe if he's in a room full of a lot of slime. You know, he immediately felt like, oh, like, am I in a refractory period? <laughs> like, has my, has my, like, internal sense of aggression been chemically altered? Uh, this swimming pool sort of is a lower output than I would normally <laughs> be able to produce. But, uh, yeah, this feels like something I've gone through before. This feels familiar. Yeah. Um, gets them to calm down. And uh, it's it's one of those, like... You know, Wes leaves the room and Riker's like, is there a problem, Jordy? And uh, it's it's a very intense scene. This episode, I want to call out for uh, excellent use of close-ups on the camera. There's at least three really great close-ups in this episode. The ones, uh, the one on Sarek's eye, the one on uh, Jordy in this scene, and uh, one that's coming up on Commander Data that... I just think are rare. It's rare that the camera gets this tight on a face in in Star Trek The Next Generation, and I really liked it. I thought it was used effectively basically every time it happened in this episode, and it was, like, happening a lot. Give Ben that face. Get him in there. My love is a So we cut to Riker and Worf talking in a in a corridor, and uh, earlier on in the episode, it's referred to that Worf has has written up one of his employees for insubordination. Yeah, and it's weird because uh, Worf doesn't have many of these write ups that he has to do, and the employee in question has seemed to be a pretty squared away person up yeah. until now. So Riker's kind of chatting about him. He's like, what, what's going on with this dude? And Worf's like, it was really out of character and strange, but the guy was definitely insubordinate. So they round the corner, and Riker's like, Is it my imagination, or have tempers become a little frayed on the ship lately? And then the door to 10 forward opens, and it is a fucking bar fight in there. Yeah. It's like a Royal Rumble. Yeah, like the the uh, pianist is still playing his, his heart out, but everybody else <laughs> is like breaking chairs over, over uh, people's backs and... You know, so many glass tables die for this scene. Yeah, like, you know, somebody somebody grabs Chief O'Brien and runs him along the bar so that his face hits every <laughs> glass of beer. It's a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it is great. And the scale of this fight is really impressive. There's like 30 people fighting. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a... I I, uh, I I paused it and, and rewound and watched it again. And there's some really hysterical, like, inexpert uh, swashbuckling taking place in this fight. But the yeah. the general feel of it is very effective. <laughs> when you're, when you're it, looking at the wide shot, you're like, holy shit, like, people are set tripping like a motherfucker in here yeah shit has gone down and Guinan's nowhere to be seen which mm-hmm. was a disappointment to me yeah shouldn't she be like shooting that nubby ass space rifle into the ceiling i was expecting that i thought that was gonna happen yeah but that must be for another bar fight i remember what the fuck <laughs> yeah anyway so uh riker's suspicion is confirmed and he takes one to the face <laughs> yeah. someone uh someone open palms him to the face yeah it's like the uh, it's takes like him the down. nose bone into the brain punch you know yeah and uh that guy's fired yeah that dude is definitely gonna be <laughs> looking for work after this. that guy's getting transferred to the hood i am the cutest of all so wouldn't you know it uh a bunch of fighting on the ship especially physically uh, starts to raise some eyebrows in the medical community, <laughs> and uh, Troy and Beverly start to figure out that shit ain't right. And also, uh, Data has had a conversation with Sacketh, the uh, younger Vulcan, that where Data is kind of like getting the sense that Sacketh has something to hide, and is, you know Sacketh is kind of like dropping in little questions about like whether. Picard could potentially play the role of an ambassador should the need arise. He's doing that thing where where when two people go to a party and they haven't decided who's going to drive home, mm-hmm. one of the guys is like, so if things get a little crazy in there for me, you can drive, right? It's like, well, I'm actually already two tequilas in, so yeah. could... You potentially, or what's up? He's asking if someone on board can be a designated diplomat. Yeah. Yeah, and they're like, the ship is an Uber. Like, we can't get an Uber. <laughs> that's that's the issue. And that, like, is when lawyer Picard starts getting involved. So Picard decides that it's time to confront Sarek about what is clearly a case of Bendai syndrome which is a neurological disease that affects Vulcans over the age of 200. And it is basically... It's like, what if Alzheimer's was transmittable? Right, right. It's like like Vulcan's whole thing is that they are in control of their emotions at all times. Bendai syndrome is the breakdown of the part of the brain that controls emotions, but Sarek stays in control. It's, for the most part, it's the, like psychic energy the psionic energy that he's putting out that's affecting other people randomly throughout the ship and it even turns out that Sacketh has been using his uh powers of a mind to try and like hold Sarek's shit together and you know imperfectly but he's just trying to like you know this is his one last job and then he's out of the game for good it is so fucked up that they basically beamed on a mind weapon and no one told anyone that, <laughs> that there was this danger like he turns everyone insane around him yeah but i mean that was like, sort of people the... could have been killed in that bar fight true true but i think that that's sort of 
the the whole theme of the episode is that this guy is this great man who is being he's losing his dignity you know like like this yeah. whole exegesis by Picard about the kind of ravages of old age and how you you lose your dignity at the end and the Vulcans are the most dignified so he's losing his dignity in this way that is affecting everybody and it's this tragic thing you know like I'm uh, actually going through this right now a, a beloved elder family member is uh, literally like in the hospital as we record this and it's it's really hard you know like you see this person that you've uh, you've loved your whole life and, and then uh, they're just kind of at the mercy of these tubes and these doctors and, and like their body just does things that that are in any other context embarrassing but just you know it's like it's the ravages of old age and it's uh and it's not future proofed it's not future proof and and that's um i think this is a really interesting episode because it actually like is a serious exploration of that and Mm -hmm. you know the you know picard is probably the oldest main cast character and he's really like torn up and reluctant to confront this and and he's the one that has to do it so he winds up having this really intense scene just him and Sarek where he lawyer Picard Sarek into kind of like a witness booth confession of his illness like Sarek has been kind of in denial and the only way Picard can get him to admit that he is completely out of control and not capable of serving as an ambassador in his current state is by like whipping Sarek up into this state of mania. And, uh, and it's, it's a really like remarkable scene. Your efforts to discredit me will not succeed. Sarek, a Vulcan, never confused what he wanted with the truth. I will not be spoken to in this manner. He pushes him right to the edge and, and Sarek totally gets pissed at him. It would be illogical for a Vulcan to show anger. Picard essentially gets Sarek to prove Picard's point. There's two things to care about right now at this point. Which one is more important, do you think? Is it the diplomacy with the Lagarans or is it Sarek's well-being? Right. I still think people are really putting a lot of eggs in that Lagaran basket. Like, everyone's got their eye on that as being the important thing. What are we going to do if Sarek's incapacitated? Yeah. Like this thing has got to go on is basically the consensus. I don't know. This is like one of those, I wish these were aliens that we ever heard about again. Yeah. One of the things I really love about the show, obviously is that there aren't these storylines that you have to follow week after week, year after year. Yeah. But it would be nice if the Ligarian, if it came up that the Ligarians were like an incredibly important ally of the Federation ever again. <laughs> yeah. You know? They're a bottle alien. Yeah. They're totally a bottle alien. They're a briefcase with glowing gold light in it, you know? Yeah. All you see is the pool. It's too bad. I am Locutus aboard. You will respond to my questions. I am Locutus aboard. You are bored. So... Uh, the guy who's been propping up Sarek's mind has basically been fired by Sarek. Like, I don't want you to do it anymore. Get out of my sight. Yeah. And so one of the options that's on the table 
for how to actually go through with the conference and have Sarek be the guy, the guy in the middle of it is mind melding Sarek with Picard. The thinking is that uh, Picard's diplomatic intellect and just his mental grounding right. will be enough to act as a as a as a structure for Sarek's mind that could at least get him through the process. Like right. this doesn't need to be forever. It just needs to get him through, like uh, like brain crutches. Yeah. And they, they probably briefly considered Riker, too, because he's a noted diplomat. But they're like, well, we don't really want him to fuck the Lagarians. And uh, Sarek is wearing a robe, so that, yeah. the, uh, the erection would be very <laughs> apparent. Hard to hide at that point. <laughs> uh, the only drawback to this idea is that it goes both ways, right? Uh, once you mind meld with someone, uh, all of their thoughts are yours, all of your thoughts are theirs. So it's basically transferring all of Sarek's emotional insanity into Picard. So uh, Picard's got to prepare for a wild ride. Well, you know what they say, Adam, never mind meld with your heroes. You know, (laughs) it's always a disappointment. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so, so they do this shit and uh, it's pretty unceremonious. Like Picard is like hanging out in his, in his apartment with, with Beverly and uh, Sarek shows up. He's like, Yo, what's up? You want a mind meld? <laughs> and they just get it over with. And then uh Sarek is like, you know, smash cut to Sarek like getting getting ready to do his conferencing, calling Riker number one. And uh he walks into the room and then we cut to Picard in like darkness, just having a an extended freak out. Like and the and the thing about it is the the emotions that Vulcans feel are so much stronger than other species. So so Picard they are pure uncut emotions. Yeah. So Picard has no like no mental discipline to keep this shit at bay, and it's basically just several hours of him sitting under Doctor Crusher's supervision, freaking the fuck out. I think it really shows the trust and intimacy that Picard has with Beverly because Picard's a guy who didn't want to tell Pulaski that he was going in for a heart procedure because it would make him look weak. Yeah. And here he is with Beverly, like, sobbing uncontrollably and screaming uh, and and being held like an infant because he has just completely fallen apart. True that. It's sort of scary to see... You know, the picture of stoicism, mm-hmm. the the picture of the biggest dog on campus at this point right. has just been reduced to a quivering, wasted piece of jelly. Yeah. What did you think of that, of this performance? I thought it was really strong. It could have been camp. Yeah. If the music, if the music was wrong or if they made too big of a deal of, you know, Beverly back rubbing him or something like it could have gone bad in a number of ways. But I think if you... If you're directing that scene, I think you need to trust Patrick Stewart and just get out of his way. Totally. And I'm not, I don't know anything about how this episode was produced with respect to that scene, but how can that not be your strategy? Yeah. I probably wouldn't have given him any direction at all. Like, give me some takes and then we'll see what we get. He was fantastic and riveting and scary and sad. Like anyone who's been around anyone with... Uh, a mental problem, I think we'll recognize uh, how fraught 
that situation looks. I thought he did an amazing job. Did you notice his Mentakin uh, tapestry draped over the chair behind him in this scene? I did. That was a nice callback. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, and so uh, I guess Sarek, with the stabilizing influence of Picard in his head, is able to pull off whatever he needs to negotiate, and uh, they're uh, they're all set, and we uh, the last scene is them kind of, it's kind of a bookend episode, you know? It ends again with Riker and Picard in their Sunday best, and the you know, sending Sarek and his wife and his entourage off to do whatever they're going to do. And, uh, and it's kind of, it's kind of bittersweet because it's, uh, you know, Picard and Sarek have shared this like insanely intimate thing. And, uh, and Sarek explains to Picard that the, you know, the parts of him that he shared uh, with him and vice versa are going to be with him forever. And Picard is, uh, is feels like he had the better part of that deal, which I, I thought was a very well-written piece of Picard dialogue. It's a little sad too, because we've been told the entire time that this is Sarek's last mission. So as a viewer, you're thinking this is the last time you're going to see the character too. Yeah. Picard tells uh, Sarek's wife that, Sarek really loves her, even though he never, you know, expresses it. And uh, Sarek and Perrin and and the other guys hop up on the transporter pad. Sarek and his wife hold each other's hands, and they get beamed off. And that's the episode. Yeah. Just kept talking in one long, incredibly unbroken sentence, moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to so Sarek knows everything about Picard Picard knows everything about Sarek Sarek also knows everything about Wesley as a result chooses not to report him I wish Sarek had said something about I uh, think the the detail work on the mask you keep on your gimp is really (laughs) top notch (laughs) did you like this episode Ben? I did. Um, probably not my fave in the ser- in the uh, season, but but uh, pretty strong and definitely, I think I think adds to the to the universe a lot, you know. And uh, and I appreciate that about it. There are episodes that are that are good, that are bad, that are boring. And I can't remember another episode that I thought was as sad as this one. Yeah. I just I just remember feeling really sad by the end. I don't know why that is. I think that's natural. Like what was it all for? Like this guy's this guy's life was his career. He got one last mission under his belt before sauntering off into retirement. I don't know. Give me a lot to think about. One thing I like about Sarek is that uh is that he introduced his wife as she who is my wife. <laughs> you think you could ever get away with that, Ben? Uh, I guess I'm going to have to give it a try. Yeah, let's do that sometime. Let's see how that goes over. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! My drunk Shimoda for this episode is the 
sneaky Vulcan, Sackath. <laughs> I just, I just thought it was so like I, I got a real delight out of the scene with Sackath and Data where they're both kind of trying to dance around it and obfuscate, but they're both characters that are like inherently incapable of telling non-truth <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it was like you know i mean it was like uh how many times in your life have you wanted someone to just get to the point the way yeah, they did yeah it's great it was really funny uh i thought it was uh it was funny it was a funny idea in the script it wasn't you know they never like winked at the camera but you know and it's like only going to be funny to you if you kind of know what the deal is with Vulcans and you know what the deal is with Data, but uh, they really built on that and and made for some genuine comedy, uh, and I thought it was pretty solid. I feel like if you didn't know anything about Star Trek and you were and you were in the writer's room on this one, you might think, like, why is this scene here? <laughs> yeah. But it's very rewarding for someone who who understands who these characters are and why. Like, right. It was very satisfying in that regard. Totally. I totally agree. How about yeah. yourself? Did you have a drunk Shimoda? I do, but it's a little abstract. So <laughs> so here's the thing. We were talking about that scene where Picard and Worf are walking through the corridor on their way to 10 Forward. Yeah. Before that scene, you see the before scene in 10 Forward, which is uh, a bunch of the bridge crew in there having drinks, a, a couple of randos in there. And O'Brien gets into a little bit of a heated conversation with uh, with someone who's sitting in his seat. Yeah. But in the deep background, Geordi mm-hmm. is at the bar, and he's talking to a kid. Really? It's at 19 minutes. Okay. If you, if you cue it up at 19 minutes, I don't know why he's talking to a kid, and I don't know why a kid is at the bar. So much about this scene is confusing to me. Oh, yeah. Jordy's totally talking to a little child. Right? What the hell is going on there? What is that about? Little 80s kid. 80s haircut on that kid. Yeah. Uh, What's up with that, Jordy? (laughs) What happens to that kid in the bar fight? (laughs) That's also what I'm saying. Like, I I watched the bar fight several times looking for the kid. Because to just to just introduce him and then and then continuity error him out of it was was very unsatisfying to me. I wanted to see him in there throwing haymakers or just getting the shit knocked out of him. Yeah, didn't happen. So my Shimoda, I think, is for a kid being at the bar. Like if you were to distill it down to its its primary components, like it's Jordy talking to him it's him being there to begin with and what the hell happens to him during the bar fight yeah man it's sort of like uh he's sort of like the ghost in three men and a baby right holy mackerel adam this is a this is a real humdinger that's the weirdest shimoda i think i've come up with i feel like that that kid gets his own hologram in the Bill tilly collection <laughs> weird shimoda angelad <laughs> You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. 
With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. What do we have coming up for our next episode, Ben? Our next episode is season three, episode 24, Ménage à Toi. The Enterprise is thrown into chaos when Counselor Troy and her mother are kidnapped hmm. by the Ferengi. Hmm. That sounds like a good one. I uh, have never... How do you feel about this? I have never wanted my veto 
more than I want it right now, and I am extremely angry at myself for having burned it to to preserve a uh, a, a previous episode. Hey Ben, just to be clear, what happened to your veto? You tried to veto the first episode of this season, I believe. Yeah. If memory serves. And Beat me. I could not let that stand. And you counter-vetoed me, didn't you, Ben? I, I counter-vetoed because I didn't... All of the anger of that is really coming back up to the surface. Because this is like the most Luaxana episode of all Luaxana episodes that I can think of. Anytime you can combine uh, Luaxana and the Ferengi in the same episode. Oh my god. It's just a... Uh, yeah, just two great tastes that <sighs> taste great together, huh? It's like you're puking and shitting at the same time. <laughs> I've done that before, Ben. It's not great. Yeah. Had you had your veto at this point, now 23 episodes in, you definitely would have spent it, right? I wish I could spend a future veto on this. That's how, that's how much I hate this episode. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's too bad that's not how the rule works. <sighs> The rules that we make up. <laughs> the rules that we make up and can change on a whim. Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad. Too bad. Well, gotta see it. You know what feels better than watching a Luxana Troy episode, Ben? Donating to support your favorite Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation, by going to maximumfun.org slash donate. Yeah. That's right. Viewers from around the land are going to MaximumFun.org slash donate and helping to support the production of our show. Uh, other ways that you can show your support is by uh, giving us a review on the podcast application that you use to get this show. There are also t-shirts that you can buy. Yeah. And even just saying nice things to us on Twitter sure is great. You can use the hashtag GreatestGen uh, to talk to us and other people who enjoy the show. I'm on there as at Cut for Time. Ben is there as... At Benjamin R. A-H-R. Yeah. There's also the Facebook group and the Facebook page. There's the subreddit Greatest Gen, and there's also a Maximum Fun subreddit. Both are great places to rap about the show and uh, meet cool, like-minded internet people as well. Yeah. I don't think I'm alone in saying our music kicks ass. Oh, yeah. Our theme music and interstitial music is made by the one and only Dark Materia. If you are interested in bumping that Picard song in your car on the way to work every day, uh, you can find it just about everywhere on the internet by searching for the Picard song by Dark Materia. We've also got Priority One Message music, arranged and produced by Adam Ragusea. One of the greats. Yeah. This podcast has cool friends. Friends that make us great stuff. Mm-hmm. Pretty awesome. Well, that is uh, about all the business we have here at the end of the show. And uh, with that, we will be back at you next time. Another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. You are so sad. And another Loxon episode of The Greatest Generation. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be great. We'll get you through this one, buddy.
the Jordan episode? As in MJ, as in Michael Jordan. Uh huh. Episode 23. Oh, I got you. I got you. Uh, I was thinking you were saying something about Sarek, and I was like, what, what is his association with Michael Jordan? No association at all, other than he's the best. Wasn't, uh, wasn't Michael Jordan 46? Oh, no, Ben. You're going to want to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.